there. And we're going to begin reading. And it reads, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And we're going to talk about what virtue means a little bit more in detail tonight. Verse number four, whereby are given unto us, say us, amen, that's you and I, exceeding great and precious promises, amen. We have a promise upon our lives, upon the church that we are a part of, amen, exceeding great and precious promises, amen. Our heavenly father loves us and wants to do good things for us. That by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. And it is God's will that we, amen, begin to have his nature expressed and revealed in our lives. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Verse 5, and beside this, giving all diligence. And here we're going to begin to uh, get into some of the details we're talking about tonight. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. So you begin from the base, the foundation of this uh, growth chain. At, at, uh, the first uh, link, if you will, is that of faith. And you add to faith virtue and add to virtue knowledge. That's the third component. And verse number six, and to knowledge temperance, the fourth component. And to temperance patience, the fifth component. And to patience godliness, the sixth component. And to godliness, brotherly kindness, the seventh component. And the final eighth component, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things, talking about this growth chain, if you will, he that lacks these things is blind. And cannot see afar off. In other words, he's he's blind and he's he's also nearsighted. He can't see afar off. And we're going to talk a little bit in detail about what some of these words mean. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. He forgot where he came from. He forgot what God brought him out of. He forgot, amen, his testimony and what God had done in his life. Verse 10 says, wherefore, the rather brethren, amen, speaking to the church here in second Peter, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. In other words, you're not going to stumble over an obstacle that's in your path. Amen. Because you're heading in the right direction. Amen. Uh, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though he's, so in other words, he's saying, I'm just going to remind you of some things that you already know. Amen. I'm going to make sure that they are established. That, that understanding goes deeper in God. Amen. Verse 13, yea, I think it me as long as I am in this tabernacle.
to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. As long, uh, Peter said, as long as I'm with you, I'm gonna, I'm gonna challenge you. I'm going to remind you of some things, and I'm gonna hopefully stir you up, Amen. That you don't forget, Amen. What it's really still all about, and where you came from tonight. Uh, so I'm gonna just talk, Amen, with the help of the Holy Ghost for a few moments on this simple thought: the growth chain. The growth chain. Amen. Would you pray with me tonight? God, I ask you right now that you would speak to this uh, beautiful body of Christ tonight, Lord. I pray, Lord, you would speak to us. We ask you for the help of the Holy Ghost. We ask you, Lord, for your anointing that comes from heaven. It comes down from above, Lord. And I pray, Lord, as a man under submission to authority, Lord, a man under authority, God, I pray that the anointing would flow, God, unhindered tonight, Lord, upon my life and upon the people of God under the sound of my voice. Let that word of God go forth, Lord, as a double-edged sword, as it is described in your word. Let it slice forward and backward, and every which direction that the word of God is applied to our lives, God. I pray that that word would take root inside of us tonight. We give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated tonight. Amen. Before I begin, I want to say how good God has been to me. Amen. God has been good to me. There's times, amen, when it will be easy and the, uh, the, the spirit of the world or your flesh will want to uh, put you down or make you feel down or discouraged. Uh, but it's in those moments, Brother Josh, we look back to landmarks. And we say, remember that thing that God did for you way back when. Um, just yesterday, uh, my wife and I were driving to the Bay Area. Had to do a couple things and mixed in a little bit of a family visit. But we began driving through the city of Fremont where we used to live. And down some familiar roads. And began talking, her and I, about... Uh, how God has kept his hand upon us, amen, since uh, even before we were married and, and how God has provided for us. And we began talking about different experiences that we remember um, there in Fremont. And we, when we first got married, we rented a, a, a condo. It was a small apartment, really, that they called a condo because you could own it. Uh, but we rented a condo, and we faced a lot of battles and a lot of devils in that uh, particular locale where we lived. Uh, we were many times in and out of the hospital uh, with my wife being ill uh, and subsequent medical bills that began to pile up. And a lot of times we, we felt alone. Amen. We felt uh, in, in some ways abandoned. Uh, just that, that feeling you got like, I'm, I'm way out here and nobody knows where I'm at. And you, we felt even a, a disconnect many times uh, because we lived in Fremont and the church that we attended was, you know, 35, 40 minutes away. And we were out there. We, we made our best attempt, every attempt we as uh, every attempt possible to go to church and be there as much as possible. But there was still a, a feeling of alone. 
and, and abandoned and dis, disconnected many times and, and, and feeling like, does God see us? Does God know where we're at? What's happening in my life? Here, there was many nights I would go to the hospital uh, with my wife and go home and just cry and, and wonder and be frustrated and, and even upset, wondering why things have to happen the way that they have to happen. And there was times we, uh, just so many things that happen in life. And, and as we kind of drove down memory lane, if you will, began remembering all the things that God did for us and how God had his hand upon us. And how God protected us and God provided for us and God uh, made a way for us when there seemed to be no way. And it's not part of my notes tonight, but maybe somebody here feels that way. Does God know where I'm at? You feel alone. You feel abandoned. You feel sometimes even disconnected. Wondering what is happening in my life. What is God doing? Does God see me? Does God know where I'm at? Amen. And there are, there are things that you go through in life. That in, in the middle of the journey, as you're walking through that wilderness or that barren desert place, you don't know what's happening. But it's when you finally, uh, if you allow God to work a work in your life and you get to the end of that road. And then you have the ability to look back and say, that's what God was doing. I didn't understand as I walked through that road, but I'm looking back. And I'm saying, God, thank you that you kept me. Thank you, God. Amen. There were times, amen, I'll tell you, our, uh, our marriage hit some hard times. Amen. My, my spiritual walk hit some very low valleys when I began to uh, even wonder if I was going to make it and live for God. And all of these things began to come. Amen. Uh, but I, as I look back on that, those moments in my life. Amen. I can I can draw strength from that in the sense that I, I recognize God was with me. God saw me exactly where I was. There was a time in my in, in we, we sat there in the condo. We prayed and we were we were having I actually I don't know if we were praying. We were trying to pray. And I remember feeling just such a attack of hell against me. I felt like just all of hell was coming against me. And I remember I, I sat at the kitchen table, amen, and I put my, my elbows on the table and I held my face up with my hands and I just sobbed. And I just wondered, God, what's happening? And it was in the middle of that time in my life, wondering if God saw me, that I felt a hand upon my shoulder as though it was an angel or, or the hand of God. Just a simple touch from God that said, I see you. I know where you're at. And that was and when I felt that I began to really cry and break through because I recognize I might be going through a hardship or a hard time in my life. But God has his hand upon me and I can face my tomorrows. I can face no matter what I'm up against. And if I will. Uh, submit myself under the mighty hand of God. Amen. He will exalt me in due season. If I'll keep that right spirit, that right mentality. Amen. We're going to talk even about a little bit of this tonight. Uh, and there's different components that make up this growth chain that we read in, in 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, 
as we begin this tonight, uh, Peter writes this book. Amen. If you study, amen, history, he writes the book of Second Peter as he is nearing the end of his life. Amen. And it, during this happened during the, the, the reign of the Roman Emperor Nero, who, if you study history, was a very violent man that persecuted Christians. And Peter would be a martyr during that time. Uh, and Peter, recognizing, amen, if you will, with spiritual uh, uh, insight and understanding that he is nearing the end of his life, and he begins to set down, amen, with parchment and pen, if you will, and begins to write to the church. Uh, and he's anticipating the end of his life, and he writes to ensure, amen, that his readers or the church in Asia Minor remain established in apostolic truth, amen, rather than become undermined by the different heresies that were at play and at work in that kingdom at that time. Amen. The heresies that were being promoted and preached and propagated by false teachers. And so Peter sets down, uh, and it's with no doubt even a heavy heart that Peter begins to write. And it's, if you will, it's his last will and testament. It's his final words, amen, before uh, his life would come to a close. And Peter admonishes the, the Christians, the church in Asia Minor to live holy to live godly and to live blameless lives before the Lord. To live holy is to live separate from the world and to live godly is to live with a focus, amen, and God at the center of your being, the center of your attention, and to live a blameless life, live in such a way, amen, to live above reproach, to live above those things. Peter begins to write in 2 Peter chapter 1, Amen. That he says, uh, you are to give diligence. Amen. We are, uh, verse number five, beside this giving all diligence, he begins to approach the growth chain. Amen. And tells the church how they are to approach. Amen. There, as they understand the whole uh, process of living for God, it is to be done with diligence. In other words, it's bringing in all of the zeal. All of the energies, all of the efforts that you could possibly muster up. In other words, as you, as you think about living for God, as you think about the things of God, the kingdom of God, amen, don't ever get to a point and a place in your life, amen, where we throw haphazard efforts towards the things of God and we approach the things of God with a carelessness, amen. But Peter says, give all diligence, amen, with, with all the zeal that you've got, amen, with all the effort that you can uh, put forth, amen, give diligence to these things, to living for God, amen, put all that you've got into the process of living for God, apply yourself to it. I will tell you that I have in my youth great ambitions of doing big things in life. I started out, amen, wanting to be an attorney, wanting to go to law school, be like my uncle in Arizona, drive the nice car, have the, uh, the awesome you know, law career and, and all of the things that go along with that. And so in the process of preparing for my future, I went to school. I put my effort, I put my energies into being that and to reaching and attaining my goal. Uh, and as 
We are talking about the things of God tonight. I want to be a Christian. I want to live for God. I want to make it to heaven. Amen. Above all else, as the song says, I must be saved. And in that endeavor that we uh, we embark upon as children of God, as Christians, it is imperative that you give God your all in all. That you give Him everything. You give Him your best years. That we don't uh, subscribe to the philosophy of I'll wait till I'm 35 or I'll wait till I'm 55 or I'll wait till I'm 60. I'll wait till I'm a little bit older and everything uh, begins to get perfect. But in the current season of my life, I'm going to give God, amen, the very best that I have. I'm going to give Him my youth. I'm going to give Him my best years. Amen. One thing that my, my father's often, I've often heard him say is I only wish I would have come to God when I was younger and given God the best years of my life. I wish I would have came to God when I was a younger man and I could have given God even more better years of my life. Amen. No matter what age you are in life today, let's make it a point, amen, to be diligent about the things of God and to give God our all, to give Him our best. Amen. Let's not be half-hearted. Let's not be one foot in and one foot out, but let's give God 100% amen of the talents and the time and the treasure that he's entrusted us with. Put all you've got into this process. There's that investing philosophy in this world of don't put all your eggs in one basket. Maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't. The investing philosophy is based off the assumption of risk and reward. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't put all your eggs, uh, all your money into one investment because that one investment might go under and you're left without anything. And while that works in the financial sense, that works in the business world, amen, when it comes to the things of God, amen, it still is sell all you got and buy the truth. Amen. Go all in for the things of God. Amen. Give God everything you've got. Give Him your best. Whatever time, talent, treasure you've got, put it at His Amen. At his feet. Put it in his hands and say, God, I'm going to give you the very best that I've got. God, I surrender to you all that I have. I want to be able to take a talent that you've given me and work that talent uh, so that I might multiply it. Amen. I want to be like that man with the five talents that he took the five talents and he worked it. And God, amen, gave him another five talents. Amen. He got ten talents. And when it was all said and done, the one that had one talent God took it from him and gave it to the man with ten. So the guy that with five talents ended up the story having eleven talents. Amen. As he used what God gave him. He used everything that God gave him. If in the process of living for God and building a church in Latham, I discover another talent in my life, then honey, I'm going to work that talent for all it's worth. Amen. That God might find a a productive and a profitable servant of the Lord. The first Amen. Link in this chain as the Word of God teaches us here in 
2 Peter chapter 1 is that of faith. Amen. Verse number 5, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Amen. That faith is that conviction of the truth. Amen. You have got to start out this Walk with God with a conviction in your spirit. Amen. I am convinced of the word of God is true. Amen. And I can rely upon the word of God. There's got to be a conviction you and I get on the inside of our hearts. Amen. We can't be half-hearted Christians. There's got to be, I've got strong convictions about the way that I live. I've got some strong convictions in my life. And there's got to be that faith and that reliance upon God. Everybody has this one. The Bible says every man's given a measure of faith. We start out with this this original chain link, if you will, of faith. God says, here's a little bit of faith. Work with that. Amen. Use that faith that I've given you. Exercise that faith. Amen. Take that faith and see what I can do through your life. Don't have, don't just allow faith to, to sit, amen, idle and stagnant, amen, in your life. And you never step out and allow God to use you, amen. Don't be like the one that sits on all their talents and all of the things that God's given them and never uses them. But exercise your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We're moving forward here in this tonight. Uh, we move from faith and adding to faith virtue. I began to study and investigate a little bit further what virtue is. Virtue to the here just sounds like a nice thing to have, right? I want to be virtuous. Sounds good, but I don't really know what it is. But, you know, it's got virtue. It's, you know, I think there's healing virtue. And, but... Do you, can you really define virtue? How do I add to my faith virtue? Looking it up, amen, and investigate a little bit more, uh, different people begin to add to my understanding of the word virtue. And one person said it's moral excellence. Uh, another person said it's the courage or the fortitude, amen, to enable you to profess your faith before others. It's a courage. It is a fortitude. It's that something that's on the inside. Virtue is something that is always on the inside. It's, it's got to be on the inside of you. Other commentators have subscribed uh, or subscribed that this word uh, to mean manliness, which is a very interesting. Virtue and manliness. But studying that a little bit deeper, uh, it's it's manliness, but it's also having the, the resolute determination to do what is right in the sight of God. Amen. Virtue, amen, having virtue in your life is having the resolute determination, the manliness that we often think of, be a man, step forward and do the right thing, amen. Virtue is having the resolute determination to do what is right in the sight of God. That's also having integrity in your life. Because in the sight of God, God sees everything. God knows everything. So I'm going to have a determination to please God. Add to your faith, your conviction about the things of God. Add to that a determination to please God. 
Amen. What would the church look like if everybody in the church just simply said, I am determined to please the Lord. I want to do that which is right before the Lord. I want to please Him. I want to make Him happy. I am determined to live in such a way that I bring glory to God. That's virtue. That is a moral excellence. That is a moral excellence because everybody else in this immoral world, amen, doesn't want to please God. They want to please themselves. So if you live your life with a determination, amen, to please God, amen, in the sight of God, to do what's right, that is a moral excellence, amen. You begin to rise above all those around you because everybody else is looking, how can I please myself? How can I appease my flesh? But when you step outside of that mindset, you begin to say, you know what? I'm going to live with a determination to do what's right in the sight of God. That is a virtue. That is a virtue. And the, the, the writer Peter continues. And he, he talks about, that. let's not just stop there. The problem is in church a lot of times, we want to stop, amen, with just one of these chain links or one of these components and say, well, I got faith. I trusted in the Lord. And, but I didn't yet move on. And Peter says, you've got to keep moving forward. You've got to keep connecting the chain links. You've got to keep connecting the dots so that you can be fully furnished. Fully furnished. Fully equipped. Add to your virtue knowledge. He says in verse 5, and to virtue knowledge. Knowledge is, well, we all may think we understand it in a very elementary sense. It's not just information knowledge is understanding with wisdom it is having the knowledge of God in our lives knowledge comes through reading your Bible knowledge comes through studying your Bible I appreciate my father as he would tell us when we were growing up we were his second chance at life. And he said, I didn't want to mess up you guys. So I prayed and I sought God. And I said, God, help me to raise my boys. Show me in the Bible how to raise my boys. And God began to speak to him scriptures about people like Abraham. That the Lord called him a friend. Because Abraham would command his children and his children's children to follow the Lord. And he began to get understanding and revelation and that knowledge. That stuff doesn't come unless you read your Bible. It's not just having information. You can go to Google on your phone to get information. But it's not always knowledge. It's not always understanding with the wisdom that God can give and that God can bring. Amen. There is a knowledge that ought to be added. Amen. To your virtue. There is a, there is a, there's something about, amen, reading your Bible and knowing what the Bible says. And knowing how to apply it to your life. That's knowledge. It's, it's not just information. It's also discretion. It's knowing. It's right understanding. It's a fuller knowledge. And true knowledge, true, amen, uh, enlightenment from the scriptures, true knowledge of God 
will lead you on to self-control, which is the next thing that Peter says. Add to your knowledge temperance. Temperance. What is temperance? Temperance is self-control. Temperance is self-control. Self-control over one's desires, over one's passions, and over one's appetites. That's temperance. People that live with, uh, I think the Bible uses the word lasciviousness, which is unbridled lust, do not have temperance. Lasciviousness is that unbridled lust. An unbridled lust, you think of the, the, the bridle, uh, uh, the, the thing of a, uh, that's on a horse's mouth, I believe it is. And it, it, it directs uh, and it causes that horse to do certain things, certain functions uh, without that bridle. Amen. That horse is, is prone to just kind of do whatever and be that wild horse and, and no self-control. And, and that's what uh, 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 lasciviousness is, unbridled lust. It's, there's no control to the lust of the flesh. But temperance, amen, God wants to add not just to your life faith, not just to your life virtue, and not just knowledge of the word of God and wisdom and understanding, but God wants to add self-control to the child of God. A self-control over your appetites, over your desires, over your passions. It refers to the mastery over all evil inclinations and appetites. We are to allow none of them, amen, to obtain uh, control over us. We are to allow none of them to obtain control over our lives. That's why the the writer in, in the scriptures would say that the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. In other words, he's got no 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 area of claim to my life. Uh, there's there's no area in my life that the devil can lay claim to. Amen. I'm living my life with temperance. Amen. I'm living my life allowing God to reign in my life. The Holy Ghost to work in my life. And when my flesh begins to get out of control and I begin to struggle with appetites and desires and passions that are not from God, I begin to find my way back to an altar and experience a time of fasting and say, God, help me to get control over my appetites, over my flesh, over my desires. Help me, God. Help me, God. If you're here tonight and you're struggling with, with the same sin over and over again, amen, allow God to take you to a time of fasting where you can begin to restrain yourself and, and to exercise some temperance or some self-control. You ought to check your earthly desires by the light of the knowledge of God's word. And temperance, amen, God wants to not stop there yet again, but God wants to add to your temperance, to your self-control, patience. These are things that are not easy. I can stand up here and preach about faith, but there's times I will struggle with my faith. I will struggle with, can God do that for me? I believe he can do it for you. But for me, we all struggle with that. We'll we'll believe God to give a miracle to whatever anybody else has. But when it's our life, man, mine's a little bit different. You know, but it's it's me that has the headache. It's me that has the the pain or the issue in my body. 
God wants to add to our lives. And so patience is one of those things that God wants to, the church to have. Patience is a steadfastness. It is endurance. The characteristic, uh, it is a characteristic of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose. And his loyalty, not even by the greatest trial or suffering. I'm going to say that again. Patience is the characteristic of a man or a woman who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty, no matter how long it takes, even the greatest trial or the greatest suffering, does not cause the patient man or woman to swerve from the purpose that God has for them. You know what? I'm not where I want to be yet. I don't see exactly everything fall into place yet. But I'm going to submit my will to His will. And I'm going to say, God, your timing over my timing. Yet I want it to be quicker, God. I'm going to trust your ways are perfect. And patience is a conscious, a conscious submission of our human will to the will of God. Patience is a conscious submission of our will to His will. Patience is an inner faithfulness of spirit. On the inside, though I don't yet see the finished product, I'm going to be patient and trust in Him. God, in the process, uh, in the in the process of, of my trial and of my suffering, God, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to submit my will to the will of God. And it is a conscious submission to God's perfect will. When it's not happening in the timeline I desire or the timeline I want it to happen in. Amen. I am submitting my will to God. And God has added to my life patience. Patience, patience, though I don't see it yet, I'm submitting myself, and it's an inner faithfulness of spirit in my life. I'm not allowing the trial or the suffering to, to cause me to swerve from my purpose in God. It is endurance. Never forgot the message I heard years ago. Uh, preacher friend of family, family preacher friend of ours, preached from the scripture: "When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith upon the earth? In other words, is he going to find people that have been patiently waiting? Amen. For God to show up, it's inner faithfulness of spirit." But it's not stopping here yet. Peter is at the in the final days of his life, and he says, I'm gonna give you the whole basket of goods. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just lay it all on the line. I'm gonna lay it all out before you. These are the things you ought to be striving for as a church. You, you Christians in Asia Minor, these are things that if you if you follow after these things, if you give all diligence to obtaining them, amen, you're not going to fall. You're going to make it into the kingdom of heaven. Amen. There's gonna be nothing that throws you off course. Because these are some key components, some chain links, if you will, to living for God. He says, don't just stop with patience. Let's take it a step further. Let's add to your patience godliness. Godliness is a reverence and a respect towards God. But it's not just that. 
Godliness is not just a reverence and respect towards God. Godliness, the godly man, the godly man or woman, sets God always before him or her. And the thought of God controls his whole life. In other words, God is at the center of that person's life. To be a godly person is to make sure that at, at, as your world uh, revol- as your world uh, revolves, amen, God is always at the center of everything that we consider, of everything that we do. If it involves a job, is it going to cause me to miss church? That's being godly. That's having God at the center of everything. If I go to school, am I going to have to miss church? Is this relationship causing me not to pray? Is it, is it deterring me from my walk with God? And you're living thinking always about, is anything going to affect my walk with God? I'm trying to be godly. I'm trying to live godly in this present world. And I don't want anything to get into my life that would cause the, the center of my focus to be off of God and on something else. The godly man sets always before him. God and the thought of God. His effort is to do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. To live unto the Lord and to seek God's glory alone. God is at the center of the godly person's life. So I ask you today, is God at the center of your life? Is God at the center of your life? Does your life revolve around the things of God? Does your life revolve around the things of God? Or is God kind of a sideshow that happens, amen, a couple times a week on a Sunday and on Wednesday? Or is God at the center of your life? That's what it means to be godly. Peter doesn't stop there. Peter goes deeper. He just keeps throwing, he just keeps uh, take, get, getting those things and just throwing just throwing more, more things their way. And just he's giving all he's got to the church in Asia Minor. And he says, don't stop there with, uh, with, with godliness. But add to your godliness brotherly kindness. That's talking about a love of the brethren. That's talking about uh, a love of the brethren. It, the Lord Jesus himself said, if a man say that he loves God and hates his brother... Jesus said he's a liar. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. If you say I love God, but I hate my brother or my sister, you're a liar. And we know where those go. He said, how can you say you love God whom you haven't seen and hate your brother who you have seen? How? It ain't possible. It's not possible to say I love God who I haven't seen and yet I hate my brother who I have seen. You, you can't, the, those two don't, they don't mix. It's oil and water. Yes. There's got to be a love of the brother. There's got to be the unity of the people of God. My mind's going back, amen, to the lesson we taught a few weeks ago about the Lord's Prayer. And it begins, it starts out with our Father. And implied in our Father is an interconnectedness with the body of Christ. And everything's right on a horizontal plane before we come to him. That's why the Lord himself said, if, if you got all against your brother uh, and, and he's, a, you, he's offended you and, and you guys got stuff going on, you need to, before you get down to the altar, go make it right with him. And then you come back. Because the Lord's prayer starts with our father. It's a, it's a unified approach 
to the presence of God. And, and as I begin my prayer, it's our Father. And I begin thinking about, how, is everything right with me and my brother? And, and I'm thinking about also 2 Peter chapter 1. He talks about adding to your uh, godliness, brotherly kindness, a love of the brethren. We ought to ask the Lord in prayer, God help me to love sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so. Help me to love the families of our church. Help me to love my pastor. Help me to love uh, those in the church. And Peter adds one more thing to this growth chain. He says, we've talked about all the things that happen internally in your own heart. And we've talked about things that happen internally in the church. But I'm going to take a step back. Or a step further, if you will. And now I'm going to talk about charity. Because charity is not just a love for the brethren in the church. Charity, the word used there is agape love. It's the highest form of love. And it's love for all mankind. It's a love that goes beyond the the proverbial four walls of the church. Love must not be confined within the limits of the church. This is where God wants to take us. I say us because I'm included in that. Where we say, God, help me to reach my world. Help me, God, to be reminded of the world around me and the needs. Love, it's really what it's all about. Amen. It cannot stop at the at the walls of the, the front door of the church. Once we leave this place, God wants to use us, amen, to reach our world. Peter concludes and he says, he that lacks these things that we're talking about is blind. In other words, he has no clear view of the nature of God. And what are God's requirements for us? He says he cannot see afar off. And that means to shut or to blink your eyes. He can only see the objects that are near him. But has no correct apprehension of more remote objects. Without these things in your life. All you will ever see is your own little world. All you will ever be concerned about is is my world here. It's, It's just me. I can't see Anything beyond my current situation, my current circumstances, all I see is earthly things and things in my own temporal world. But as these things are added to your life, your vision begins to go up a little bit higher. And you begin to see, you know what? Yeah, my life's not perfect. But I see the reason for burying my life in the things of God. Because if I don't get these things down in my life, if I don't get down faith, virtue, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, before I ever get to charity and love for all mankind, they're going to discount everything I say. They're going to say, you know what? You don't, you're not even a virtuous person. You don't, you don't even believe in God. you got no convictions. You know what? You don't, even, you, you don't even love those people in your church. Why would I go to your church? 
And so Peter causes the people of God to step back and take inventory and say, you know what? I've got to have these things at work in my life. I've got to. Because I can't ever get to charity or that agape love for all mankind if these things are, are not in place in my life. All you're going to see is the little objects in your own immediate world, your own little problems, your own little things. And your sights are going to be stayed right there. I'm, I'm concluding with this. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 through 13. We read it a moment ago in the King James Version. I'm going to read it for a few moments in the uh, International Standard Version. And uh, why don't you stand with me as we close. Amen. Tonight. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 8. He's talking in, in hindsight of all these things he's mentioned. And the International Standard Version makes it a little bit more plain and clear. <clears throat> He says, for if you possess these qualities, and if they continue to increase among you. It's not, so he's talking not just possessing these things. But the in the King James, it talks about abound. In the International Standard Version, it says, if they continue to increase among you. It's not even just a one-time possession of some of these things. But it's God, help me to be more of this, more of that, more godly, more patient. More love for my brother. If you possess these qualities and if they increase, continue to increase among you, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. These things are going to keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in attaining a full knowledge of our Lord Jesus. For the person who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing that he has received from his past sins. So then, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election certain. For if you keep on doing this, it's an ongoing thing. If you keep on doing this, you will never fail. For in this way you will be generously granted into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. There's a promise. Amen. When you get to heaven, gates are swinging open wide. It's going to be a generous welcome. That's a promise in the word of God. And Peter goes on, says, Therefore, I intend to keep on reminding you about these things. Even though you already know them and are firmly established in the truth that you now have. Yet I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I am living in this bodily tent. Amen. These are things that we, we know. These are, this is not revelatory things per se. But it's the responsibility is upon the ministry to remind us of some things. That we've got to make sure our lives are filled with these components. Amen. Because if uh, we possess these qualities and they continue to increase among us, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive. And the one thing that I don't want to be is I don't want to be ineffective. 
and I do not want to be unproductive. Amen. Amen. I want God to use me, to use you, to use us, to be effective and to be productive. Amen. Why don't we uh, lift up our hands as we close this?